Ito ang Ice Garden. episode of Beyond the Boards, an interview-style podcast where we talk to some of the brightest, best, most interesting people in women's hockey about their lives beyond the rink. Um, This week, I talked to the Boston Pride's general manager, Carolyn Pilch. Um, It's not exactly about her life beyond the rink, but um, Carolyn Pilch is the Pride's general manager, and she is the former director of hockey operations for Boston University's women's hockey team. And I just find those roles, those like front office roles, fascinating. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess I just wanted to find out more about what she did and thought you guys would like to hear it as well. So without further ado, here's my interview with Carolyn. This week on Beyond the Boards, we have Carolyn Pilch with us. Uh, thanks for coming on, Carolyn. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So let's count this back a little bit. You were a goalie for BU, an assistant coach at St. Al's St. Anselm. I've never known how to say that school, I just realized. Yeah, because most people say Anselm, but it is Anselm, so St. Anselm. The director of hockey operations for BU's women's team, and now you're the general manager for the Boston Pride, which is a, quite the journey. Yeah, definitely. It's been a very cool road. And I feel like I've been very lucky to be involved with hockey since my career really began after school. And yeah, it's, it's been fun and exciting and a lot of work, but I feel lucky to be where I am today for sure. I'm excited that we have someone from BU on here. Um, I was a BU, I am a BU alumni. And uh, the first person I had on here, her favorite hockey memory was putting up a six spot on BU. Which I was like, sick. That's a good one. Yeah, no, no, no. We need to move on from that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I like, it was Alyssa Gallardi from when she was at Cornell. Um, and I think it was like 2013 when BU and Cornell went to like triple overtime in like the national championship quarterfinals or something. Yeah, that and, was wild. Yeah. Was that while you were at BU? I was not, but okay. whether you were there at the time or not, you heard about it. Yeah. She was like, yeah, that was fun. And I was like, cool. Definitely went to BU. Wasn't there at that time, but thanks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. So I guess that kind of leads me like well into my first question for you is um, how did you get into a front office type role, um, kind of like the director of hockey, hockey operations and also as a general manager? Like, What was your path to that? Yeah, so really I've sort of been straddling this business and hockey um, line in my entire career. So when I worked over at St. Anselm, that was part-time. So I was working hockey-wise, still like recruiting, coaching, like everything that goes into coaching a college hockey team. And then at the same time, working in accounting and finance. So I had had done a little bit of, of both there to sort of keep going down the business road and at the same time like develop my 
my coaching skills and figure out where I wanted to go in the hockey world. So that I did actually for seven years, I spent up there. Um, I had an awesome head coach. Like I just, I loved it there. Um, and at that point of the end of my seventh season, we both just kind of chatted and realized I needed to look around and see what else was out there. And the that was the first time that the women's hockey had a hockey operations position open. So yeah. I also knew I really wanted to go back to school. I had been wanting my MBA, but trying to figure out what the best path through that was as well. So when I when that position opened at BU, I called Brian right away and was super interested. And lucky for me, that worked out. Um, and I spent about two months there before I dove into the MBA program as well. So jumped right into that um, and then finished up with them. So I did three seasons with BU, working in hockey ops, doing all kinds of things, scheduling, um, working a lot with Hockey East. We hosted um, we hosted Hockey East playoffs one year while I was there. Um, they're actually hosting the, the Frozen Four this upcoming season. So did a little bit of work with that. And then as I finished my MBA, I just – realized that I needed to kind of, again, broaden my horizons and see what was out there. And this position with the pride opened up and it just seemed like a a very logical next step and something I was excited about. Um, And then it just, the timing worked out really well. I graduated and jumped right in with the pride. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but what does a hockey operations person do for a college team? So I think that position is very unique and it it really can be anything. So for me, I spent a lot of time cutting video um, and then figuring out what, you know, what I thought should go where, what we should show the players, doing pre-scouts. Um, so I spent probably half my time like really diving into the video side of things. And then the other side of that just sort of the the management, I would say, of the yeah. team, um, managing class schedules and working with our marketing team on when players are, you know, available for press and interviews. And then obviously like with our staff going through all of the coaching decisions and conversations. And so hockey ops can be so many different things. And for me, I would say it was a lot of coaching behind the scenes. Um, and then I, I guess like, yeah, just like the administration side of things as well. And a lot of it was working with alumni, which was the first time I really had the time and resources to dive into that. So that was another cool piece of that job as well. It's really interesting that you said that, like that you led with that. You did so much video work because I feel like when I think of hockey operations, it's more of that, like behind the scenes admin stuff, not necessarily like a video coach situation. Yeah, so that's where I think the the positions are so unique because I think there are other hockey operations positions that are strictly um, like they mostly admin, and then there's others where it's again a lot of video or a lot of coaching yeah. stuff. But again, like everything is behind the scenes with the the number of NCAA coaches that you can have. Like, so you technically yeah. can't coach the players, but you can work with the staff and, like I said, cut all the video, supply them with everything they need, and then they would present it to the players. So it's just kind of a, a unique position to be in. Um, but again, like that was the the tie to the hockey piece and the tie to the coaching that I still really loved. So I felt like that was a really good balance between the two. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned that you were involved in the preliminary steps of bringing the Frozen Four to BU this year. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about that process or what you kind of did for that? Yeah, so I was very, very early on before um, I ended up taking the job with the Pride. So I was in maybe like meeting number one and two. And I know they have some some big things planned. And I think it's so exciting that the Frozen Four is coming back to Boston. I think 2009, um, they hosted it last. And I just feel like women's hockey in general has grown so much since then. And the Frozen Four is obviously like the premier weekend of women's college hockey. So I'm just excited to see what they have um, planned. And like I said, from the the very short snippets of two meetings I was in, I think they're really putting their heads together to make sure that it's a, a special experience for not only the players, but fans that are going to come and, and take in that weekend. For sure. I'm stoked because <laughs> I feel like the Frozen Four has always been in like Wisconsin or Minnesota. And I think last year it was in Hamden, Connecticut, but even that like isn't exactly always feasible to go to for me. Um, not to jinx it, but that weekend, there's a two-week stretch there in March that would just be like totally lit for women's hockey if the Pride are like stay number one and host Isabel because we would have Isabel and then the next week would be the Frozen Four, which would just be like insane for women's hockey in Boston. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I know. And knock on some wood, please. But obviously, that's what's in our mindset. And that's what we're hoping for and what we're playing for and everyone's dialed into. So fingers crossed, that's where we're at. But I'm with you. Those would be I mean, even the week before those would be three pretty special weeks of hockey in Boston. Yeah. I mean, we even have that what coming up in February, a few weeks where the all star game is on the weekend in between the bean pots. Oh, you know what? I I think you're probably right. I I do not know that for sure, but it would make perfect sense because it's always the first two weeks of February. So yeah, you must. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Which is going to be crazy. Like that's just an insane stretch from like Tuesday to Tuesday there, which I feel like you never really talk about that with college hockey or and um, like professional hockey. Like, oh yeah, the Tuesday to Tuesday stretch is going to be crazy. But I feel like that week it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because that's. And BU's hosting the um, the Beanpot this year too. Yes, they are. Yep, they. Um, yeah, so they always they joked that they're like, oh, should we just host Hockey East playoffs as well and and make it the Triple Crown? So no, I think they're excited for that. Um, and obviously, like, can't talk enough about the Beanpot and how exciting that is in Boston. And um, yeah, those couple weeks are a grind, but that's awesome that the the All Star Game falls in between there. People are gonna get all their fix of, of women talking in Boston. Oh, yeah. I was so stoked because, like, for me, or, like, what I was thinking is, like, there's such a good opportunity to market at the Bean Pot then and, you know, bring out those college rivalries, which I think will be really funny. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So we talked about your role at BU, um, you know, and so moving forward a little bit, I guess moving to the present, how did you end up with the Pride? Like, how did you find out about this opportunity, about the NWHL? Yeah, absolutely. So Haley and I um, have known each other forever. So she was coaching at Harvard when I was over at St. A's and we graduated and got into coaching right about the same time. Um, So we had known each other and I had heard that this GM position might be open. And so I just picked up the phone and I called her and I explained, you know, where I had been, what my thoughts were, what I was looking for, um, what I would hope to get out of out of the position and obviously Haley's been involved with the league since its inception so she had a lot of really helpful things to say and she obviously like 
believes in this like and I don't even know like how to describe how much she believes in in what she's doing and what she's been able to do for for the league and through all of her different roles as a GM and with the league and now back as our president so um yeah so it basically just started with a conversation from there and and we both realized that this would be a good fit for not only me but for the pride um so the rest is I guess history at this point (laughs) what are your kind of duties as the general manager is it mirror a lot of what you did um, at BU or is it kind of totally different Um, that's a good question. There are a lot of similarities and there are a lot of differences. So I think at the, the hockey ops role, you, I would say you make less of the, like the final decision. So you supply a lot of information, you figure things out. And then usually your, your head coach is like, okay, like, yeah, that works. This doesn't work. And I think with the pride and our player management and working on recruiting and signing contracts, like where that is a little bit different and more so of that actual management role. So that's been a pretty cool change and just working with the staff and hiring a staff um, over the summer that that was really exciting and, and something new for me. So I think just like the the change in structure there is a little bit different. And then there are a lot of similarities from the admin side of things. But with the pride, there's just so many more doors that you can walk through and so many different things that you can do where a lot of times like that college environment things are pretty black and white and this is how they go and you know this is our marketing team and this is how we present games we're here there there's a lot more room for I would say like growth and opportunity so getting involved in some of the sponsorship talks and really working and building those relationships with our players and working with them on appearances and things like that so I, I feel like they're similar but different if that makes sense yeah yeah that makes sense um it just I mean NCAA has so many compliance rules I feel like that to then come to the NWHL where things are a little bit looser has to be different like just right off the bat there yeah I mean and it's totally different between working with a student and a professional athlete like it's just um you know the obviously the NCAA is is intent is to protect the students as students first and that makes a whole lot of sense when you're working with student athletes and the pro environment is obviously so different and they you know these are our athletes and they're representing our programs and we're you know super fortunate to be in a position where we're able to just and and I don't even know if loose is the right word but you know really really let them have some freedoms and be able to sort of build this career out of um playing professional hockey so that side of it is definitely cool what advice do you have for someone who would want to who would want to go into like a director of hockey operations role or a general manager role yeah I mean I I actually think that this is like career advice in general and I think it's something that people are intimidated to do especially in the world of text and email I think you need to go out and I think you need to have conversations with people and you need to shake hands and you need to introduce yourself and leave a lasting impression on people and just show your your passion for things and make sure obviously that you're taking care of things school-wise and education-wise and um, opening the right doors for yourself in that regard. But I just think building personal relationships and building your network will take you so much further than just being able to send a few emails or, you know, 
LinkedIn or LinkedIn with everyone on LinkedIn and just hope something comes across your plate. You have to be an advocate for yourself. And I just really think you need you need to go out there and you need to make those those phone calls and do the work because there's probably 100 people that are going to apply for every job in sports that you want. So that's that's I guess would be my best advice. Yeah, well, that's good. FaceTime is always important and not like the app on your phone. Right, exactly. (laughs) Cool. So we have a section called Slap Shots, which is just like, I think I have four like quick questions for you. Okay. Um, We ask almost everybody the, everybody almost the same question. So we vary up a little bit. Uh, So are you ready for your Slap Shots? I I guess so. I'm a goalie, (laughs) but I don't know. I wasn't prepared for (laughs) that. What was your favorite hockey memory or is your favorite hockey memory, I guess? My favorite hockey memory. Well, this is a tie for two because one is selfish and one is team oriented. But the first selfish one, um, so the bean pot my freshman year, we didn't actually play in the championship game. We played in the consolation game. Um, I was on the inaugural team, so it was our first it was our first time in the bean pot. Um, and I played the second game and we won. So it was technically our first bean pot win, but we didn't actually win the bean pot so, <laughs> to be clear. Um, and then with my team last year so far, that will be um, winning the bean pot was, was a huge, huge win for, you know, for BU that hadn't been able to do it. And I, yeah, so that those two are tied. And then, I have some pretty high hopes for my my Boston Pride here team that one uh, something that we might do this season may slip those on the back burner and I can only hope for that but you can talk to me at the end of March and I'll let you know. <laughs> so you were on the original BU women's hockey team like the first one that was a varsity program? Yes. That's crazy. I did not realize that. Yep. That's so cool. Um, I feel like people never realize that BU came into existence as a varsity program only like, what, 14 seasons ago, 15 seasons ago? Um, about how long DeRocher had been there. Yes, thank you for dating me live right <laughs> out there. But uh, yeah, 2005-06 was the first season. Which is crazy because it feels like such like a powerhouse program, like such a top tier program to be so relatively young, especially when you look at like where um, like minnesota and wisconsin how long they've been around yeah for sure and just and hockey east in general too yeah and how long they've been around and i think the culture and history of bu men's hockey sort of um paved the way for that and people like there's unbelievable support on campus for women's hockey there too so i think it's sort of just uh it makes people forget quickly that they haven't been around all that long yeah um something like fascinating that i found out last night when i was looking up um who what the winningest coaches in NCAA history is that um Derosier is only like 16 games behind uh Katie King Crowley for wins which like I feel like she's been there forever yeah I know it is interesting and she was there for um an assistant for a while as well so that um Obviously, she doesn't get credit for those wins, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so Coach D just hit his 300th the other day. I want to say it was Saturday. So big moment for him. Yeah, that was awesome. He was so great to me while I was at BU um, covering the women's team. Always checking sure, making sure we had everything we needed. And when we traveled with the team to Minnesota for the Frozen Four, he checked in with us like whenever he saw us. Like, do you guys have food? Do you have a place to stay? How are you getting to the rink? It was great. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's the absolute best. He's an awesome coach, but he's like an all-world person. And yeah. I think I, I'm definitely not alone in that opinion. <laughs> okay, get back to the slap shots as I drove us straight off topic. Um, imagine women's hockey goes to an all-women's hockey draft, some future or maybe even past world. Um, draft, who would be your first draft pick? Oh man, these are tough questions. Um, I feel like I, this is going to sound a little bit cliche because she's a captain of an all-star team, but our captain Jillian Dempsey has got to be my number one choice. Um, th- yeah, Jill just the that kid lives and breathes hockey, and she would definitely be my number one. Um, just a leader on and off the ice, like that. She and she, you could build a team around her for sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's a good one. It's an interesting one, too. Thanks. Um, Another tough question. If you could change one on-ice rule in women's hockey, what would it be? On-ice rule. Hmm. This is always a tricky question because, to be completely honest, I don't even know all the rules of hockey besides, like, the ones you have to know. Yeah. Well, I I love the the race for icing. I know that had left the game for a little bit, and they are trying to, like, stop the – um that race and it changed like the top of circles versus the goal line so I guess maybe it's not changing a rule but that would be my first thing is that I think I think we need that um race to call off icing that's a big one for me yeah so you would keep it exactly awesome okay last question promise um who is the most influential person in your hockey career um, another good one. I, I have to say that Kirsten Matthews, who I worked with at St. A's, um, she was my assistant at BU when I was a player. Unfortunately, the rest of Carolyn's answer to that question got eaten um, by some sort of audio loss issues we experienced. But uh, Carolyn basically just went on to talk about how great of a person Kirsten is and how um, influential she was for her. I uh, really want to thank Carolyn for coming on today, especially as the Pride get ready to leave for Minnesota for a big weekend. You can follow Carolyn on Twitter. Uh, she's very new to Twitter, as we had talked about uh, before we started recording. You can follow Carolyn at, at K-A-R-I-L-Y-N-P-I-L-C-H. And of course, you can follow me at, at Michelle underscore J-A-Y-3. And that's all for this week. Bye.